From Snakes and Lattes, Toronto's premier board game cafe, this is the Snakes Cast, a weekly podcast where the game gurus of Snakes and Lattes discuss what it is about games that make them worth playing. With your host, Jonathan Moriarty. Welcome to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. With me today are Scott Moyle. Hi there. And Mikhail Onorides. Hello. And uh, we're going to hit you with a situation that comes up pretty often at the cafe. Uh, always has. Uh, we get uh, a couple of people coming over to the game shelves, not quite sure what they want. And uh, we'll sort of ask them, what sort of games do you like? And they'll say, oh, we like Taboo and Cranium and Pictionary and Apples to Apples and Balderdash and Scattergories. And, uh, and I'll say, okay, and uh, how many players have you got? Oh, just the two of us. <laughs> how often does that happen to you guys? All the time, pretty frequently. It's, uh, it's, it's a bit of a thing, and uh, it, for folks who aren't like us, you know, folks who are regular, normal, actual people, <laughs> who, don't, uh, over th- who don't spend a lot of time thinking about board games, uh, it might not actually occur to them that the one thing that all these games have in common is that you can't play them with just two players. They're called I, party games because you need a party. They depend on group dynamics. You need, you need to play them in teams, or there have to be a bunch of different minds bouncing off each other, you're not sure who's doing what or who's saying what. And if there's only two of them, then it simply doesn't work. Um, so, uh, setting aside the fact that they just uh, they just don't work, why do you think people are drawn to games like this, even if there's only two or three of them? Well, we play board games. One of the main reasons we play board games is because we like interacting with other humans. Mm-hmm. Right? I could sit at home and play a video game if <laughs> I weren't as interested in human interaction. Uh, party games put the, inter- uh, the human interaction front and center. Right. It really isn't about the game. It's more about the players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... Do you think that uh, there, there are people out there who should probably just stay away from party games uh, if, they, if they don't have a big group? Is, 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 is that the thing to do? Should, should, should you just not play party games unless you have a group? Well, maybe party game is, uh, is an unfair category. I mean, if, if they're looking for a game that puts interaction front and center, you know, you don't necessarily need a party to do that. I suppose. It's, you know, the, the, one of the common responses I get when I mention this is people say, oh, well, we can have a party with just the two of us. Yep. I mean, what, what defines a party game? What makes something a party game and not something else? Well, when I made the, uh, the category tags for our, uh, the current version of our game library wall, uh, under party games, I wrote, what was it, draw stuff and yell at each other. <laughs> Surely there's more to it than that, though. It encapsulates a lot of what makes it a party game. I, so just, I guess it sort of captures the idea of it, though, doesn't it? Getting in touch with your inner child. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um, it's, uh, do, do you think that uh, there may be some cases where people are afraid to try games outside of the party game category? I think so, yeah. I mean, most of the party games we can teach without even going to the table, right? I can, I can teach you a catchphrase, for example, by pulling out the disc, pushing the button a couple of times, telling you the two rules of that game, and sending you on your way. Uh, without even leaving the wall. I, uh, how often do we get, you know, I want a game that's like not too hard to learn. And so many party games are, uh, are built that way. And they're really designed to, uh, to get started uh, as quickly as possible. Yeah, often designed so that you don't even really need to understand the game to start playing. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there are other games in other categories, particularly uh, you know, the Minute to Learn, Lifetime to Master type area and the abstract games mm-hmm. that, uh, that have that as well. Why, 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 why would people stick to party games rather than going to other stuff? So a lot of the games that people play are games that people enjoy from when they were kids. Because of that, a lot of games that are minute to learn, lifetime to master, such as Corridor or Corridor or any of those Q series games, <laughs> um, 
never get played, just because people tend to stick with what they know. They're kind of apprehensive about learning something new, and as such, they want to stick with the things that they know gave them a good time five or six years ago. Yeah, party games are brightly colored too. Yeah, they, 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 they always design the boxes like this to make them look not intimidating. And uh, that's obviously a factor there as well. There, there, there are actually a couple of party games that you can play okay with uh, with two players. There's Last Word. Yep. Uh, I always like to bring that one up for Scattergories fans. Um, it's the one where you bring out a card with a letter and another card with a category of thing, like mm-hmm. breeds of dogs or uh, countries in Europe or whatever. And everybody starts yelling out words that start with that letter to fit that category. When the buzzer goes, whoever had the last word gets to advance one space. Um, headbands. That's what we get people asking for a lot. Headbands is really just 20 questions. Mm-hmm. That's, that's another total uh, childhood game, uh, for sure. That's one that I get a lot of requests to teach. They'll unfold the board, and they'll have pawns. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes someone will have left scraps of paper or a meeple in there. And How do we play this? And I say, okay, put away everything but the headbands and the stack of cards and just ask each other yes or no questions. Yes. So much easier. It really is. And the, the fact that it doesn't require teach at all, that, that, that again, is, is, is a major part of the appeal mm-hmm. of the whole category is the fact that you can get started quickly, and it's going to be about the players, not so much about the game. So uh, what are some ways to get around that? Supposing you've got a small group of two or three players, they want something that's going to provide that sort of an experience for them. How can, how can you do that? Well, sometimes uh, if they're really set on playing, for example, Taboo, uh, I have specifically, within the last week, had people ask, how do you play Taboo with two people? And instead of saying, you don't, the answer is, you play it cooperatively. You have to police yourself to not say the taboo words, and the idea is that we are trying to get points. Not that it's about the score ever when you're playing a party game, but I guess for you and you guess for me, and we just sort of drink the Kool-Aid that, yeah, I'm helping you get points and you're helping me get points, and we're still going to have fun for the same reasons. Just try to get the highest score that you can. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing as you would in any other cooperative game, like Pandemic or something. Indeed. So uh, what else can you do? Well, Well, I mean, obviously it's not going to work in something like Apples to Apples. Where, right. Uh, Who said what games are never going to work? Because the answer is you. You <laughs> said that. <laughs> you wrote that. You picked that card. You know, Cards Against Humanity, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that, that's, that's kind of a whole category of games that you're not going to be able to manage with. Mm-hmm. But um, what are some other appeals of party games? I think one of the things that... Uh, that I, I don't know if this is actually true or not. Um, one of the things that I think is, at the, is central to the appeal of party games is the fact that they are stressful. Yeah, you yes. want to feel like the heat is on. It's uh, they're supposed to be ex- people want something that's exciting, fast moving, and funny. And uh, of course, everything's funnier when there's more people because one person starts laughing, everybody else does. But even with two players, if two players who are stressed out are more likely to start laughing than two players who are calm. Yes. So any game that involves time pressure, where you're racing against the other player or racing against the clock, automatically gets a little bit of that party game feel, even if it's not a party game. So like Boggle, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows Boggle. Uh, but there are others, too. You guys ever play Ubongo Duel? Oh, wow. Yep. Where the timer is the other player. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you've, you've got these sort of cardboard tetris shaped pieces, and you're trying to fit them on this shape so there's no white spaces showing, and your opponent has exactly the same shapes and exactly the same pieces, and they're trying to do exactly the same puzzle before you can finish. And uh, it's like that joke about uh, the campers in the woods, and there's a bear, and the one camper starts tying her shoe, running shoes on, and says, what are you doing? You can't run a bear. She says, I don't have to outrun the bear, just you. <laughs> yep. yep. That, uh, that, that puts the pressure on, and it makes it funny. Um, games with manual dexterity are stressful mm-hmm. for the same reason. 
Um, will it fall over? Will um, it will fall over. It, it, it will, will fall, fall over. over. But who's going to make that happen, though? Is it going to be you or is it going to be me? And was it going to be now? Next turn, the tension mm-hmm. makes it funny. Jenga actually works better when there's only two people. Because you don't have to wait as long for your turn. Right? Yeah. Yep, Talk Talk uh, Woodman is another good one for that. Oh yeah, the one with the uh, with, with the with the axe. So you get two whacks with the axe to hit this tree, and if the bark falls off, that's good for you. Uh, if the wood falls off, though, not quite so good. So you got to try and knock off the edges of this thing without making it actually fall over. Yep, it has the worst ratio of setup time to play time of any <laughs> game I think I've ever seen, <laughs> except and maybe yet... Wallamoppy. Yeah, maybe Wallamoppy. Yeah, but which it's... is basically Speed Jenga for two. Yeah, that's a good one. But uh, animal upon animal. There's another one. You're stacking up these awesome wooden animals. Um, the other thing that uh, you guys were mentioning before that's really appealing about these games is the, is the nostalgia factor, the uh, the kid factor, the lightheartedness of them. So uh, kids' games are often a good thing to bring out. A lot of those uh, actually work pretty well with uh, with two. I mean, uh, well, what stuff would you guys bring up for that? Uh, the Alice games, Alice Trolley, Alice Tomat. Uh, they're uh, very simple, essentially memory re- reflex games uh, designed for kids. I believe they're German originally. Um, yeah, those are uh, Rainer Knizia designed those ones. Are. Yeah, the very guy, guy who usually designs these hardcore games for us nerds, uh, but he's been branching out into kids' games recently and been doing okay with it. Yeah, uh, the Alice games are terrific. I'm, I'm not too sure why they need three games that are mechanically identical, uh, identical but with different flavors. Well, come on, this one's about pirates, and that one's about food, and that it's one's true, about travel. Uh, and I guess when it's a game about recognizing stuff, you do stretch out the replayability by going after the same game structure but with different content mm-hmm. uh, but they're colorful and they're beautifully illustrated and they're just they're fun little kids games um, that work great for two people and uh, that, that's, that, that kid factor is also really important I mentioned before about how people sometimes have uh, are, are intimidated and nervous about the idea of stretching into categories they haven't uh, they haven't tried uh, kids games automatically sort of disarm that with their cuteness and their accessibility um, so uh, the next time you come into Snakes and Lattes, if you've got a small group of just two or three people and you're looking for a party game, there will be that awkward moment. Just be aware. We are going to have that sort of, okay, it's one of those type of thing. But seriously, we love you. We want to help you. We want to make sure that you have a good time. And we have tricks. We have ways of bringing stuff that will be fun to you for you, even if you're looking for a party game and there's only two or three. You actually can have a party with just two or three people. Absolutely. We, uh, one of the things I tell people all the time is that it doesn't matter if you play the game according to the rules that are on that piece of paper. As long as you're playing it in a way that's you know internally consistent so it's fair to everyone, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Absolutely. If you're enjoying that game, you are doing it right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, until next time, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Mikhail Onorides and Scott Moyle. Game on. Game on. Game on. And thanks for listening. We'll have a new Snakes cast for you every week at snakesandlattes.com. In the meantime, you can follow us through your favorite social networking sites, such as Facebook and Twitter, or best of all, meet our gurus in person at Snakes and Lattes in Toronto. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on.